What's up, non-believers, doubters, and skeptics? Today's podcast features Will Thorpe, aka heretical underscore theology on Instagram. Will's become a close friend of mine over the last year or so, as we are both content creators in the ex-Christian atheist space. And we talk about deconstruction. We talk about navigating relationships with believers. We talk about atheists that we have to block on social media. Today's episode is brought to you by patreon.com slash Jesus Unfollower. If you want to get episodes of the podcast before anyone else, or if you just want to support what I'm doing, the YouTube channel, the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash Jesus Unfollower. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode with Will Thorpe, aka Heretical Theology. Will the Thrill Thorpe. How you doing, man? Doing great, Kevin. You know, I started this podcast to just kind of be relatable for people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, to kind of be able to relate to people who are going through deconstruction and shit. And I wanted to start having guests on just to show people that atheists, agnostics, people who don't believe in God aren't these bad people are weird. We're normal just like everybody else. We just don't believe in something supernatural like that that's guiding and controlling our lives, you know? Right. No, it's good. It's good that you uh, that you do that. Um, I think I might make that a little bit difficult for you at times with how much of an asshole I can be to some people, but, you know, hey. <laughs> hey, it, it's more fun. It's more fun to be an asshole sometimes. <laughs> so right. I saw you just got you just got back from Disney again yeah yeah we went to so we were supposed to have the marathon weekend this weekend which was obviously canceled um so disney decided to do it virtually which is the thing to do with all these races nowadays um i didn't i didn't i decided not to do it virtually because you're basically just forcing yourself to run a marathon <laughs> yeah, by that's yourself, weird. and then they literally just mail you a medal I'm like that's not fun at all but um i was actually kind of happy the marathon got canceled because I was having a lot of health problems. I had a couple of hernia discs in my neck and other health issues. And I wasn't feeling amazing this weekend anyways, as it was. So, Hey, I'm, I'm totally okay for it. Um, but yeah, so we ended up kept our reservations and we hooked up with a lot of our friends, um, in the run Disney community. And uh, it was just a really great time. That's cool. Uh, life in your thirties is fun, isn't it? <laughs> but Health can't wait, till, can't wait till I'm 40. Good God. <laughs> I know, man. I'm closing in on it. I'm 37. Closing oh, in really? on 40. Yep. No, I thought you Not were far away. What's that? I thought you were younger than me for some reason. Really? Thank you. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, New Year's resolution for me is working on my health for sure. I don't know if I'll be running any marathons or anything, but... Physical health, mental health, all that stuff, you know. Yeah. No, that's, gonna... no, health is important. That's if anything that since becoming an atheist, since my health has become a much higher priority than it was when I was a Christian. And it was a lot, it was pretty high then too. So, yeah, I saw that you um, made a post about fitness and kind of like how it went along with your deconstruction journey. You want to talk about mm-hmm. that at all? Yeah. So I, I think. You know, when you're when you're at church and you're experiencing worship and you, and you got those endorphins, 
you know, it, it kind of makes you makes you feel good. Like there, there's just a lot of feel good stuff that goes along with it. You know, you're you're hearing music and it's affecting you and things like that. And I, I was noticing that as I got healthier, um, I was starting to run more, starting to have these, you know, more strenuous exercises. And eventually it came to a point where I actually enjoy running. <laughs> Imagine that, right? And like I would, a... and I would have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I would legitimately, now I would still do my morning devotions. Like I would wake up at 4am, like a psychopath, have my coffee, um, open my Bible, have 10 minutes of prayer time, half hour of, of reading the Bible time journal, and then hit the road and be out doing my miles. And that was what I did for a couple of years, actually. And then I started realizing that I'm, as I was deconstructing, that there, there had to be some sort of chemical, biological thing that happened in my mind with the weight loss and with the exercise that kind of opened my mind to have, I guess, open to more experiences. Um, I hate using that term. Um, but I definitely think there was some sort of chemical things happening in my mind that was like, okay, there's probably more to this way what, what I think there is. And then I was realizing that as I'm listening to, <clears throat> and I actually had this realization specifically, I don't know if I was already a non-Christian or if I was almost like right there as a non-Christian. But I was Somewhere listening. In the gray area. Yeah. I was listening to, uh, I think it's uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, Valhalla. That's the, uh, the theme song to Thor Ragnarok. And <laughs> I think, I think that's, I think that's who it is. So I forgive me if I don't know my, my music correctly, but it's just like a super intense song and it's, it's great. And I think about like Thor literally getting like, you know, amped up on his electricity and like, yeah, it was like a major endorphin <laughs> rush. And I'm like, and, I, and it was actually during the middle of a thunderstorm too, which was even better. And it was just an amazing experience. And I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> this is, this is almost identical, if not more impressive than what I experienced when I'm in worship. And I'm not trying to, you know, uh, imagine these things. These things are just coming to my mind as is already. And it, like I said, it was identical to what I experienced during worship. And that was kind of a big realization that, okay, there's there's definitely more to this or a lot less to the Christian side of things than what I'm actually making it out to be. Yeah. They set the atmosphere with the the music and the lighting oh, yeah. and the fucking smoke machines. Some of oh, them, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just try to get your brain into a certain state. And that's so true, man. That's, that's cool that you made that connection. Um Cause I think there's a lot of truth to that. They can, yeah, I, churches can kind of manipulate. Um, I, I've been in services where it's like the preacher will never even make it to the, to the uh, stage, you know, or whatever you call it. But because the worship, everybody starts worshiping and stuff. Cause they play a certain, certain songs in a certain order and the Holy spirit just happens to hit just right. You know? And so then <laughs> everybody's just that. worshiping and, Pastor's making easy money. You know, he doesn't ever ha even has to get up there and do his job. <laughs> Gotta follow the Holy Spirit, man. For sure. Let's let God lead the service was what they would say, you know. Yes. Holy Spirit's <laughs> taking over the service. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, that's, that's fun stuff. <laughs> so I know you've probably told your deconstruction story uh, several times, but if you want to do like just like a quick run through of quick overview or whatever of recap of your 
deconstruction. Yeah, sure. Where do I have? Oh, I have my coffee somewhere. My coffee's gone. It was already almost empty, anyways. Um, yeah. So real quick, um, was raised. First went to church when I was about five years old. Uh, small rural church, uh, Methodist church. Uh, my mother says I was saved when I was seven um, at that church. I don't remember it. I'll take your word for it. Um, when I was about 12 years old at my high school in this rural town uh, in, in uh, Preble County, Ohio, literally there's just cornfields everywhere. My, my class had 100 people in it. Um, the entire high school had 400, yeah, less than that, actually. Small town, then uh, there was a church. They didn't have a church, and so they were actually meeting inside one of the lecture halls at our, at our school, and they had free food and cute girls, so I was curious. Checked it out. Like, oh, I've never heard any of this stuff before because the uh, my my the Methodist church I was going to was you know very liturgical and you know pretty standard old school Methodist. You know, they sang all the hymns and things like that. So I found that mm-hmm. so, this all very interesting. Of course, they're studying Revelation, uh, specifically the Book of. Well, they're studying end times, so they're actually were studying the Book of Daniel on Wednesdays, and then they're studying Revelation on Sundays, and connecting the the evangelical revelation dots together. So that was how I got really got pulled into evangelicalism. Uh, was saved at 14 at abstinence camp. Resaved, resaved. Her, heard of God, tapped me on the shoulder and all that good stuff. Did you say abstinence camp? Yep, abstinence camp. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Yeah, so uh, it was actually a church camp I used to go to over the summer. And so they would have these weekend retreats and their abstinence camps for high schoolers to go to to teach you how to keep in your pants <laughs> until you're married. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> and then they did a gospel presentation, of course, too, which I still have it. So it was actually like a painting. Uh, we didn't know what it was. It was like this huge canvas. It has nothing to do with yeah, abstinence. It, but it was at abstinence camp. But this painter had had music, and we're all trying to figure out like what is this person painting? It was very large, abstract, and we we thought it might be like a like a globe of the earth or something. And then she she uh, she splattered red paint on it. And then as soon as she splattered red paint, you instantly know it's Jesus. I was like, oh my gosh! And it was very emotional. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I still have a picture of that painting, which was kind of kind of fascinating because it was a pretty important point in my life. Um, fast forward, turns out the, uh, that the church I was going to, um, ended up being a little bit of a cult. Um, imagine that they, they can never keep more than uh, a couple hundred people in it. I think right now they're down to 50. I think at the peak, they're up to like 300 people before the church. Wow. Uh, my wife didn't particularly care for the church very much. Um, and I, of course I've been going there for 15 years now. Uh, she started not liking the church. And so we started looking around for other churches. Couldn't find a church in our hometown. This is up in Ohio. Uh, literally looked for like a 30-mile thir- radius, checking out all the churches' websites. Couldn't find a single doctrine that, that I, I could agree with. <laughs> that, if that wow. tells you anything. Then, Were there a lot of churches around there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's some. I mean, but you it's just, just couldn't like, find it's, one that you really yeah, it's just like with? A, or... Yeah, it's just, there's like a certain standard set of doctrines that, I had to agree to before I would even consider moving right. to a new church. And then on top of that, God would have to have to call me to that church because that's what yeah. I believed. Um, went down to uh, here in Florida to visit my brother, uh, found out my brother what had become a Christian. And so we visited his church. My wife was very excited about this. 
And I told her very clearly, we're not switching churches, especially to this huge mega church of 10,000 people. Like that's just, no, you cannot go to a mega church because clearly they don't speak truth. Um, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing how every church says that every other church don't really speak, doesn't really speak right. the truth, especially the bigger ones. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Exactly. Um, so my wife can turn. She prays. She doesn't normally pray a lot. Uh, or at least at that point, she didn't. And God told her, "Hey, suck it up. It's gonna be okay." And she had peace with that, peace about it. So we went to the church. I had no intentions on even asking any questions about the church. Um, then my pastor or the, the pastor there uh, who was giving the sermon said, Hey, we got, we believe this, we believe this, and we believe this and a- answering all these really random questions that I did not even think would be possible to even be addressed during the sermon. So eventually I, I took that as God calling us to this church and we got, I had a nice little conversation. So we moved a thousand miles to Florida because we felt God calling us to this church. And I'm, I'm, skipping over a lot of details here okay it was a lot more than just than just that i can assure you yeah uh, so we acted on faith god called us to this new church because that's what he wanted us to do didn't have any jobs and yeah so we finally we found jobs which is awesome um but then we started deconstructing because uh, i went to peru on a mission trip and god essentially failed my wife um she had taken all the she she deals with separation anxiety from when I was in Iraq, and God yeah. was supposed to help provide for her to be okay. She was definitely not okay, to say the least. So she started a downward spiral before I did. And she started going to a lot of biblical counselors at that church, which also weren't actually counselors. They were just you know typically older trying, ladies trying to steer you back into the right uh, <clears throat> direction. Right. And um, yeah, so they're basically just older ladies who just knew the Bible and. My wife knew the Bible more than they did, yeah, uh, because because of our, of our cult church, and uh, started learning a lot about uh, biblical history. I ask a lot, want to ask a lot of questions. Uh, my wife was essentially an atheist at this point, and I was getting really concerned. And so I tried to understand her, and I tried to figure out, hey, what what is up with this you know, biblical canon? What's going on here? How did the Bible become the Bible? Just started learning a crap ton of things that. I had never heard of any other church, whether it be my cult church or my mega church I was attending. And one thing led to another. I became a very liberal, progressive Christian. Um, I eventually realized that the Bible was not infallible. It was not perfect. It had very much, very errant, very human. Um, I deconstructed the idea of the Old Testament entirely. Um, I just basically thought it was a load of shit. And... Mm-hmm. But I still believe Jesus was God in some way, shape, or form, and that he had these good ideas. And if you do these good ideas and whatever is in this afterlife, then we will uh, basically be all the better for it. Um, I deconstructed the idea of hell. And then uh, after I deconstructed the idea of hell, it wasn't too much longer. I'm like, well, what is the point of Jesus? And if he didn't die for our sins, and so what is he now protecting us from? Yeah. Um, I was then relying on C.S. Lewis or C.S. Lewis's uh, three L's, Lord, Liar, or Lunatic. And that's when, thanks to Hitchens, learned that, hey, there's a fourth option. And that his followers uh, came up with a, uh, a legend about him. And when I look at the mm-hmm. biblical church history, I find out that's actually more than likely what happened. Um, because the Gospels were written so much later than what we think they were. 
And yep. Paul was writing this a couple of decades after Jesus, as opposed to multiple decades after Jesus's death. And after that, I basically, in a prayer at work, very weepily, because I'm, I can be pretty emotional and very sentimental at times. I literally wrote down a post-it note that God, I don't, I can't call myself a Christian any longer, and I am now an agnostic. And I told my, I told my mom, I told my dad, and I told my brother. And my brother's like, well, as long as you're not an atheist, we're, we, we should be okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, I didn't really understand what an atheist was at that time. And when I learned what an atheist actually was, I thought I knew. Um, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I am an atheist after all. And that took about a whole month to figure out. And uh, went through my angsty atheist phase about uh, last January through through March. And that's when I, I started heretical theology about about a, year, a little over a year ago and uh wasn't really sure what i was doing with that i was basically giving bible sermons to atheists and that really didn't didn't really seem to fly very well with a lot of people for some reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah your but, your deconstruction was kind of public you know well you you were posting like your devotionals and stuff and mm -hmm. a lot of your questions on yeah, facebook so, right as you were yeah. going through it yeah exactly and, and thanks for bringing that. that's actually some important context so I had been reading the Bible every day for multiple years straight. I think, I think over the course of maybe of three or four years, I think I might have missed like a couple of weeks total. And so in 2018, I was doing, making my devos public for everyone to see. And it was, it's been really fascinating because now I get to see them again now because I got to see them last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can literally see me starting to ask these questions. When I'm reading these, when I'm reading these texts, because I'm I'm trying to analyze it critically. I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time, but that's what I was doing. And then when I learned about Bart Ehrman and and, and the historical critical method, like this is exactly what I was doing. I'm yeah. like, oh, it only took me 20 years to start asking these types of <laughs> questions. Okay, great. I'm finally learning something. And so finally, by the time November rolls around, um, I I basically made it public that because I felt like I have over a thousand friends on Facebook. Most of them Christians, most of them reading my stuff. And over the last couple of months, they are starting to see like, wait, what? This, this doesn't really sound kosher right. evangelical wise. And some people are starting to ask some questions. And finally, I came out as, as, a, as an agnostic public on Facebook because I felt like that needed to be said. Because if I'm coming, if I'm talking about the Bible and they all think I'm a Christian, they should probably know the truth and that I'm not actually a Christian. Uh, within a yep. couple months, I lost over 500 friends on Facebook. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy because uh, everyone I knew was a Christian, you know. Yeah. And finally— You think that just, was because people didn't want to question themselves? Like, do you think probably some people were like, he's asking too many questions. Let's get rid of him. Or they just were like, well, they viewed you as the enemy now. There is definitely some of that. Um, reading some of my posts, I was definitely angsty as fuck. I could have calmed down a lot. Um I had a chip yeah. on my shoulder. I was pissed. I was confused. Rightfully so. And yeah, yeah. So it's like there's a lot of atheists that go through that. That a lot of deconstructing Christians who become atheists or, or agnostic, whatever, that go through that that super anger phase. Yeah. And and I did. And I, I'm just angsty in general. I, I'm an I'm an angsty, <laughs> I'm an angsty person. I, I get I get really passionate about stuff, and I get pissy, and you know, fragile white male ego, and everything else, and. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it's, I feel you, man. It's solid. Like it's, it's the truth. If there's, I, I, follow, I see I, it come out every now and then when you get certain <laughs> comments on on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I love I, it though. That's I'm like, yeah, I love it. I love the fire. Yeah. So when I, when I realized that there's just mostly people just don't want to hear this crap. That's when I started theoretical theology. I just basically moved. So I was posting these things on Instagram, on my personal Instagram page, which is now pretty much just me posting a workout selfie every other week. <laughs> it's it's pretty much dead. Yeah. Um, so I moved I moved from there to my uh, to, to my new heretical theology account, and then when I realized that there was such a cool niche group of deconstructing Christians like myself who could really use this information, that the same information I, I discovered, I'm like, hey, all right, this I'm going to start stop basically preaching at atheists, and and, that, and that's a really weird word to say because there was a lot of atheists who have a lot of misguided understanding or have, have a lot of misunderstandings about the Bible. And right. I always want to go and correct them, which was, which is stupid in general. Like I, that shouldn't be my, be my mission. Um, but I still found it fascinating. And when I realized that there were Christians who are deconstructing, I'm like, yeah, I want, I want to say, Hey, your pain and your questions are legitimate. And here's why. And, and, and so instead of becoming angsty atheist, well, I became, hey, try to help each other and support each other well. Yeah, man, the, the deconstruction community on Instagram is a lot bigger than I really ever thought it was going to be. Right. And that's the same thing for me. When I started my account, I was just, I had just gotten out of a relationship with a Seventh-day Adventist girl and because of religion. And so I was like, I'm going to start an account and just make some, I was just planning to make some memes about religion and let out let out a little bit of frustration because I just, somebody I loved, we just broke up because I didn't believe in God. And so I'm like, so I wanted to start talking about it somewhere. And so I did it there. And then it just, it sort of turned into something I never really thought it was going to be this big community of other people who are mm -hmm. either have just left Christianity or are questioning it, going through it. it it's, it's crazy, but there are some great people there. Yeah, it's been really cool to connect with you know people like you, and I know we got some hardcore atheists uh, that we have our, in our kind of like in our core group. But even the yeah. even like the those who are still kind of like I won't call them pseudo Christians, but they're they don't, you know labels are can, can be kind of weird sometimes. It's been kind of cool listening to them, and uh, for sure. And there's there's just a lot of other amazing you know people who are self prescribed Christians, and that's when I realized that. My goal isn't to make more atheists. My my goal is to get people who are in evangelical Christianity, especially fun, fundamentalist Christianity, which there's not a whole lot of difference between the two, in my opinion, and to get them in a uh, safer environment, um, and uh, mentally, psychologically, physically, to where they can think critically, but also have kind of like the the. the uh, autonomy, yeah, the autonomy is that the right word? Basically, be, to become yeah. uh, self-aware of the world around them, and that the their worldview is not the only worldview, and then yeah. they can they can make these they have all the variables that the church intentionally or ignorantly withholds from them. They can get this information and then make the decision themselves. Yeah, it's all about being more skeptical, right? Um, right. It's not it's not about trying to deconvert anyone. I, I say that too. I'm not actively trying to, you know, haha, I got another one to leave their faith. It's not like that. It's right. just about you want people to if they're going to believe something, believe it for a good reason and not mm -hmm. just just because, you know, it's like you said you were saved at 7 and stuff. So many of us um 
just believe it so young and it's just ingrained in us so young and, and you grow up and you never really question. You don't really question uh, why you believe. And then right. if, if nobody really learned about religion until they were an adult, I think we would have a, a very different world. You right. know what I mean? People wouldn't just grow up believing something. And it's just amazing how the people in your area happen to all believe this, the right thing or the people in your church all happen to believe the right thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The big thing for me was, uh, was certainty. And that, that was a, that was a big keyword last year and trying to, when, when talking with evangelical Christians is that, and, and myself was, I was so certain I knew the truth. And when that certainty, uh, which was heavily involved in the inerrancy of the word of God and that word of God being the Bible, when that, when there was a crack in that foundation, there's a lot of other crap that fell along with it. Um, it. It didn't make me an atheist. It made me a more liberal Christian, a more progressive Christian or whatever you want to call it. Um, but my goal is to get people to realize that like faith and certainty cannot coexist. Like they, they are complete opposites. And it took me a long time to figure yeah. that out. For sure. That's a and good point. And it was strange too. Like I would even tell you like, I became the most mature Christian right before I, I, I started like uh, uphill. Like I felt like my faith was, was like growing and growing as I challenged it. And there's a lot of Christians who stay there. I, that's, that's fine. That, that's great. Um, as long as you're not using religion to harm other people, then, then we're cool. Um, yeah. But for me, I, I, I couldn't stay there. It was, it was way too top heavy and way too much of a balancing act for me. And I, I, I fell over and yeah. So, for me, I, I couldn't maintain that faith. Yeah. Some people, I think some people need it. You know what I mean? Some people need to feel like there's something bigger than themselves. And that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. And like you said, it's just as long as what you're believing isn't harming other people, I don't really have a problem with it. It's it's not like we're, we hate Christians and stuff. It's just such a common misconception that we have a problem with Christianity in general. And maybe sometimes I generalize too much when I'm talking about Christianity. I think we're all guilty of it, but so I'm trying to be a little more uh, specific about the groups of people within mm -hmm. Christianity that I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, if you're a Christian, I don't really over generally have a problem with it, with what you believe. Do you still uh, have any contact with the people from your old churches, like the cult church and stuff? <clears throat> not the cult church. Um, I've attempted. Most of those attempts go horribly wrong. There are some who, so like there's this one, uh, one lady, I won't, I won't use her name, but she got married to one of my closer friends from that church. Who's also an elder at that church. And he, he's probably the most zealous, ridiculous one at that church. Uh, he, he, he legitimately scares me. And she follows in suit. She's a good housewife, but she was also like a graphic designer and and kind of a, kind of a creative. And so her and I kind of connect like like as far as like friendship goes. She still follows me on Instagram on my personal page, yeah. And I still follow her, and she still posts, you know, all these hardcore evangelical stories. But at the exact same time, I know for a fact her husband told her stop following me, and that she had to block me on Facebook. Really, but she but she didn't block me or anything. She still follows me on Instagram. So, 
that that sort of thing makes you wonder is is she still trying to like is she trying to pull me out of the fire is she, is she trying to still make sure that she i have some sort of like wavelength of truth or something coming from her oh yeah she doesn't strike me as that type of person she never did she was never that disingenuous never was and she was one of the kindest people i, I knew of um and she was very um very bold um which again, because I know I'm per, I'm almost certain her husband told her to block me. It was that, or he did he blocked me on her account himself. Well, yeah, wow. Because um, that's that's the type of controlling situation you have in, in oh, yeah, that church. Bad. Yeah, um, but nevertheless, like she she doesn't really communicate with me very much. I think the last time she talked to me was a little bit over a year ago. She's like, I want to see more bird pictures, please, and not my. <laughs> and that was back when I was still doing my devos on there. Um, so. I guess he might have viewed me or something. I guess that's possible too. But so there's that person. Um, I've had a couple conversations. One, one of my best friends, he unfollowed me on, he unfriended me on Facebook. Haven't talked to him since. That was pretty sad. He's, uh, I guess he's your age. Single, super awesome guy. He's given up on marriage. So we have a lot in common, me and that guy. Oh, jeez. Well, he, <laughs> he, he intentionally gave up on marriage. <laughs> because he doesn't think he's going to be able to find a woman who's going to be able to go to his church, and which he's probably correct. Yeah, and so he, he literally like he literally gave on that gave up on that because of church, um, and and that's just incredibly saddening to me. Um, my other good friends, he stopped. I I, I unfriended him because he wouldn't stop messaging me, and he's like a hardcore trumper. They're all hardcore trumpers in that church, really. Say were. Until until he lost, and now now the whole government's rigged, and the, and the only thing they're going to listen to now is Newsmax. Once Fox News, man, abandoned isn't that Trump, crazy? So they're all they're it's, all it's on parlor like, to listen all, to Newsmax. Yeah, Fox <laughs> News was the one outlet. Like this is the one we listen to. All the other ones are are, are owned by the left, the liberals, yeah. and now Fox News is like the enemy for them. <laughs> so they're migrating to Newsmax and O and M and the trump network and or whatever <laughs> right you know i'm sure trump will come out with uh his own social media platform soon which is going to be very scary and cultish <laughs> i can't wait i really think that's going to happen <laughs> um i do talk with some people from my church and, and so i talk with uh a few of them regularly um my best my best friend uh, his name's caleb i'm hoping to do an, an, an ig live with him sometime he uh he goes there um, but he's, he's not an evangelical. Um, he, he's a really cool cat. He still goes there for, I think for, for social purposes. I don't want to put words in his mouth cause he's probably gonna be watching it. So if Caleb, I'll let you <laughs> explain yourself when I, when I do my IG live with you, my friend, but him and I just had some amazing deep conversations and you know, he's a humanist through and through and, and, and I love it. Um, he'll straight up tell you he believes because of faith. That's it. And he, he likes a lot of my posts. So that tells you anything. <laughs> so uh there's one guy i listen to uh he's a pastor and he's he's still very much a hardcore evangelical but he's willing to have the conversations um some of the stuff that he's told me has concerned me a little bit but you know again he's willing to have the conversations he knows about my uh interviews with some people and and, and, and like yourself and so he finds that highly interesting because he was heavily involved in the uh the media world over in hollywood and i actually got a a meeting up with a, a the young adults pastor tomorrow who is a pretty cool cat he's he's a nice guy he's very open-minded um 
he's got pretty good followings and on this on Instagram too. But of course, you know, when you're a pastor at a church of 10,000 people, that's, that's pretty common. So him and I are going to have some coffee tomorrow. I haven't talked to him in a while, so we'll see how that goes. That's great, man. I think it's really good to have conversations with people who still believe. It's like we're not trying to completely separate ourselves and like we're better than you kind of thing. It's, I think it's great to have those conversations, especially with the, yeah. the people who are a little more open to having them and uh, more progressive and not so fundamentalist, not agreeing to coffee for the sole purpose of winning you back to Christ, you know? Right. And that, was, and that was dangerous too. Cause I had a lot of people wanting to have coffee with me. Oh, I'm sure uh, that was, that that's, was the that's, the, that's the key word. Like let's go get coffee sometime. And that, <laughs> and most of them were okay. Some of them were just ambush ambushes, which I expected to happen. Um, but that also kind of made me more angsty because that was when it was all happening. Mm-hmm. But, uh, as much as I would like to see the church burn, the physical church, not the people, okay, and, and, to, see, and, to, and to see, like, as, as Hitchens would probably would agree, like, there's... FBI, there's, if you're listening to this, he's talking yes, about the building. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's, I don't think there's any secular, there's no religious organization that can do what a secular organization can't do without the baggage. And so that's, that's my personal opinion. However, I don't see religion going away anytime soon. And if I'm going to be a humanist, I need to try to work with the church where they are and try to say, hey, how can we be, help you or how can I help you understand or help you become more humanistic uh, when it comes to, you know, your theology? And that's why I try to do. That is ultimately my purpose. I don't strip and say that all the time, but that also is my, my purpose is to try to build that bridge. Um, I piss off a hell of a lot of Christians doing that. And I piss off a hell of a lot of atheists. You know, I think my ratio is like uh, about one to five for every five Christians. I have to block on my heretical theology page. I had to block one atheist, you know, because, you know, people can be stupid sometimes. And if they don't listen to reason, then they're not worth my time. Have you had any atheists tell you that you're not a real atheist? Because I had one tell me that. He said that my God was government just because I said I was going to vote. Uh, and that made me not an atheist. Oh, well, I, th- I think I had one person say something like that because he thought, and this was back early, early heretical theology. He, he thought I was just pretending to be an atheist because I was talking about all this theology that I was actually trying to get atheists to read the Bible more, to become more Christian. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, well, I, I guess I could see a Christian doing that. I mean, I see him do crazier things, but that wasn't what I was doing. Yeah, they thought you had ulterior motives. Yeah. If, I, I, can't, you, I can't blame the guy for thinking that, though, because, again, like I, like I said, I've seen Christians do crazier stuff. If you went back and told Will from 10 years ago that he was going to eventually be an atheist, how do you think he'd react? I would try to save that, that Will. <laughs> Uh, you've gone down a dark road. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be the same thing for me. I probably would have laughed like, yeah, right. Well, not 10 years ago because I was, I did become an atheist about 10 years ago, but this is what I love about Facebook memories though, because I know exactly what Will from 10 years ago would have said. (laughs) I, I, I say, I talk about atheism in my Facebook post from 10 years ago, from five years ago, for what? No, two years ago. It's like, this is where I was, and I love sharing those memories and my stories. Like it's it fascinates. It's awesome me. to wa- to watch your own change, to watch your own growth mm-hmm. like that through Facebook memories. 
Yeah. I don't get to experience that because I, by the time I was really on Facebook, well, I guess that's not true, but I didn't really post a whole lot of biblical stuff or anything in the very early days of Facebook. And around 2010, I wasn't a, or 2009, I wasn't a Christian anymore. So I don't really have a whole lot of those memories that pop up on, on mine, but that's so cool that it does on yours. Man, I, uh, do you ever miss church, like the community and stuff? Because I no. feel like it's, there's definitely, you don't like, there's I miss, kind of a, I miss having friends. Yeah. But I think that's one, just a COVID thing. Um, but Man, also the, the, the people that I hang out with still are people from the young adults group that was, that was like our, that became that little niche of people was basically our church when Stephanie was, when my wife Stephanie was leaving the faith and when I was on my way out of leaving the faith, like they genuinely cared about me. That pastor who, who, who I mentioned earlier genuinely cared about me. And I would ask these hard questions. So he's like, I don't know. I'm like, Oh crap, this is great. Okay. He's someone who's being honest. Yeah. Um, so they know where Stephanie and I are. Some of them don't talk to us anymore, but most of them do. Like my friend Caleb is, was from that group. Um, a lot of friends that Stephanie, one of Stephanie's closest friends was in that group. Um, so I, I do miss the social aspect. Um, I but, think that's really the only thing I miss is just the social yeah. aspect, the, the knowing that you're going to be around those same people every week mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I guess part of it's probably also just getting older, period. You don't really, people kind of go their own ways and you don't really hang out like that anymore, right. at least for me. But right. It was, it it's kind of weird though, too. It's like, because every single week there was, because you had church the, on Wednesday, or you had church on Sunday, you had church on Wednesday, then you had some sort of like Bible study, or I, I helped with self recovery. So I helped alcoholics and people who were addicted to different stuff. Like that was one of the things I did every week, uh, helping people out with that. And then there was like your, your small group where everyone brings in food and you mm-hmm. all talk about the Bible and have fun and stuff. Like it was church just 24 seven. It was, it was nuts, dude. And, and a lot of people were like, well, that's, well, that's just cool stuff. Like, no, this is a church of 10,000 people in the middle of like small town. It's not small, but it's not a big town in Melbourne, Florida. Okay. It's, <laughs> this is typical evangelical Christianity. And I think the thing that pisses me off the most is when there's Christians on here, like, well, you're just talking about a very small minority group of Christians. Like evangelicalism globally is a small minority group of Christians. But when you're talking about, you know, Christianity within America, this is American yeah. Christianity. Right. Like, yes. Like if you're talking to a Christian, a Protestant Christian <laughs> in America, this is probably their experience. Yeah. I have a friend that lives in France and it kind of blows her mind when I talk about <laughs> Because when I'm when she's talking about Christianity, it's completely different from from mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. My experiences here, right. it's just you know fanaticism and fundamentalism. She's mainly talking about the Catholic Church and stuff, and it's just completely different here. <laughs> um, I got a, a couple questions from Instagram. I was going to oh, get excellent. to. Carissa says, uh, "How do you get your parents to understand that you're a non-believer? Do, do your parents?" I guess they know and they, I don't know what your conversations have been with them. Yeah. And so when, when I get this question, I'm always trying to, it's good to know the parameters of what you're talking with. So if I'm talking to someone who's, who's in their twenties or thirties, already moved out, 
that's a completely different situation than what you handle this like if they're like a teenager still living at home for sure okay so completely different uh, dynamics here so if if you're a an adult living on your own you're completely independent they don't need to know um if they i they don't it's probably respectful to let them know um so my parents don't like it when i share important stuff on facebook before they know which i get okay that's just yeah. kind of like a common courtesy thing um not every, every person has that type of relationship with their parents um so don't feel like that you're owed anything to tell your parents anything you're not um if you're trying to get your parents to understand that you're not a believer as, as this question is phrased then definitely just just tell them like be honest and now again that that's going to be you know there, there, there's some <laughs> parameters to work with there if, if you're a, a teenager, yeah yeah if you're if you're a teenager living at home with very extremist christian or religious parents that may not be the best tactic okay you need to make right. sure you stay safe but if yep. you feel comfortable with your parents with them knowing this information be honest with them set some boundaries be respectful if they ask you questions make sure you know your shit as to why you're not a christian anymore um because you know they're going to come at you with you know the case for christ they're going to come at, at you with you know william lee craig they're going to come at you with all yeah. oh, i'm having a brain fart with all these different types of books that they're probably going to want you to read and that's the questions that i've gotten yeah. from people like that is like what do i say whenever they my parents reply with this like they're just scared about how that conversation is going to go of they say i'm not a christian anymore and their parents ask them why or ask them certain things and then they're like they don't know how they're going to answer it and they don't they're going to feel that pressure or that they don't have the right things to say right back to their parents when they ask those questions and that's why i like the fact that there's like a lot of debates out there not i'm, I'm kind of over the debate stuff but as far as just like learning things like it's very right. fantastic to to learn stuff because when i saw that these major theologians were going toe to toe with you know these atheists and these biblical scholars i'm like okay there's a generally good case to be made for atheism and, and not only just a good case but obviously i'm an atheist for a reason yeah. and i think with with christians they think it's like a, a like duh this person's saying this so it must be true like it's it's done and over with like case case closed like like no it's not like it's it's not that simple it's not that simple at all and so the person who asked this question is they don't need well i'm going to be careful how i say this if you can get them to re, at least respect your decision they don't have to agree with your decision but that you can get them to respect your decision and you are also acting respectful in return don't be angsty like i was okay <laughs> that will that will get <laughs> yeah. you really far okay um and if you're an adult then if, if they can accept that then that's unfortunate um my parents were very understanding, but then again, I'm also kind of a special case because I was a fundamentalist of the family. I was like, I didn't go to the same church my parents went to. My parents wanted me to go to the college church because they actually had a really good youth group. Okay. Um, <laughs> then, uh, so they know better, and my brother, they all know better than to try to argue with me about this stuff. Like when Jehovah, Jehovah Witnesses came to our door, well, it's, so when I was 15, I think I might have been here, 14 or 15 years old, when Jehovah's Witnesses would come to our door, my mom would be like, 
hold on one second. My son's upstairs. And she would just call <laughs> me downstairs. I would just debate these 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 people. So one, oh, so there awesome. were like one guy who's like thirty or forty, and one one guy, other guy being trained. And I would debate this. And eventually, I was like getting the younger guy to ask the older Jehovah's guy questions. And that was it. Like it was over with. Like they, like okay, thank you so much. They would never come back. And it was very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let me get let me get the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Love that, dude. Yeah. So a little, little, little side story there. But yeah, just be safe, be respectful. Um, if you feel like you would actually be injured or hurt or be in some sort of trauma by opening up to your parents like that, you know, don't do it. Open up to someone else who's an adult that you trust and 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 go from there. And definitely try to seek someone who is a, a counselor in that in that regard. So there's a lot of awesome counselors who are also atheists who deal with deconstructing on Instagram. Uh, Recovering from religion has awesome resources and that would probably be a better resource for this person to contact. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said, man. Um, I think it's true. Yeah. If you're still living under their roof and uh, you don't really, you can't move out or whatever, and you just have to really, think about how that conversation is going to go and how they'll react. Cause you're most likely know to a degree how they would react. But if you're an adult and you're not living with them anymore, I feel like, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't owe it to them necessarily to tell them. And if they don't understand, then that's just, sorry. You know, they don't understand They're, You have to get to a point where it's you're living for yourself and not really to appease other people, even your parents. Right. And I, I will say, you know, if this is a, a younger person or if you're a younger person who is an atheist or, or a questioning Christian who's being forced to go to church, go to the church, go to the church service, learn some things. Um, it was so I stopped going to church for about six months. We were still going to like the the, the young adults group there for a little bit, but it was still several months before I stepped foot into a church. And I was a full blown atheist at this time. I went to a Christmas service. This was my last time at church. It was so eye-opening. Just since I had already deprogrammed, I learned so much more. I was able to like listen every single every single Bible verse, every single thing that that pastor said. Great, super compassionate guy, but he says so many things are just complete bullshit. That's <laughs> like, and even I didn't even realize how much was being said. So, if you're no longer a Christian or you're questioning Christian, take take notes. Take all the notes you possibly can. If you read a Bible verse and it's in one story, and there's another gospel that has the exact same story, compare and contrast to those who call that horizontal reading. Ask all these questions, the who, what, where, when, why. Do that. Or ask, why would this person do this? Ask all these questions. And that way, when your parents ask you, like, hey, what do you think of the sermon? And especially if you've already kind of told them you're kind of struggling, you can say, like, well, I have these questions, and this is why. And yeah. that will at least hopefully, well, the parents might defer you to the pastor or some sort of elder like that, which may be better, maybe worse, but at least shows that you're trying to pay attention and you're trying to listen. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Asking questions, it's where it's at. And if they don't want to answer it, you might be getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's another question. How do I navigate leaving slash deconstructing with a very Christian husband and young kids in the mix. Now I know that you don't have kids and I don't either, but maybe we can address the partner part. So I, I mean, I can bullshit all I want about this. Uh, but the truth is 
my wife and I do not have kids. Um, we're, we're a child's family by choice. And two, my wife deconstructed before I did. And just being completely honest, I am probably the last person, uh, one of the last people who would be qualified to answer this. Um, I would highly recommend um, who, who's, a, who's a good I'm trying to think of some, someone on Instagram. Uh, so uh, Phil Drysdale might be a good person to ask about this. <clears throat> um, my actually, I guess I guess I can comment a little bit yeah. about it because because my because my wife. So okay, I'm, I'm going to take that back a little bit. I can at least tell you from the other other perspective because I pretty much concluded my wife was an atheist while I was still a Christian, and so take this with a grain of salt. Um, so how do you navigate leaving discretion? So when I was, <clears throat> when I, when I knew my wife was, was exiting, it was very concerning for me. It was very sad. One of the things I loved about my wife the most was hearing her sing worship at church services. And she had stopped doing that for a couple months and it was heartbreaking. I remember going to the church service, wanting to hear my wife sing just, just to hear her sing because, you know, she seemed so happy doing that and she yeah. did it. And it was heartbreaking for me. Um, but I had come to terms like, well, I guess I'm just going to be that, that Christian husband who has a non-believing wife. And I had come to terms with that. It didn't affect my love for her. It didn't affect my, my care for her at all. If anything, it increased it because I wanted to understand my wife better. Um, <clears throat> so a bit of like sadness or like, yeah, that you kind of wish that she, you were hoping that she would stay and and worship God the way that you were and stuff. Right. And so it was a little self-serving because I wanted her to feel better because it made me feel better. Like, let's just be honest about that. Yeah. But hopefully you can have that conversation with your spouse. Um, you know, when you have kids in the mix, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even going to touch that because I, I, I spent way too many years as a camp counselor, literally indoctrinating children uh, into Christianity. And so, Kids, parent, I, I don't like when minors ask me questions. Um, yeah. If, if when I know someone who's under underneath someone else's roof, and you know they're they're asking me all these questions, like I almost feel bad because I don't want to counter what some other parent is teaching these kids. Right. Um, I want them to ask questions, but I'm very cautious. I'm very, I'm like, I, I just really don't like it. Um, I'm the same way. Yeah, that's that's a tough. Those are tough waters to navigate for sure. Right. Right. So hopefully that helps. Maybe you can get with your husband and be like, can you just, just love me for who I am? And, and hopefully he does. Um, you know, I'm going to be making a post about the day I, I broke my wedding bells. And, uh, and so if, if you're all listening, I don't know when I'm going to post this, but you know, it's God was all throughout both of our wedding vows. And, you know, it's, I felt like I had to break my wedding vows when I was, when I became a non-Christian. And I still had to love her when I felt like she broke hers. So if, if there's any, anything that this person can glean from that, hopefully that answers the question. Um, might be too personal uh, and we can cut it out if so, but are you guys like rewriting your vows or planning on any sort of like secular vows or anything like that? No, I, I don't think so. My wife and I love each other. We don't even have, we're, we're very non-traditional. Like we yeah. had wedding rings and we lost a lot of weight. Now the wedding rings didn't fit. And then we bought like $20 like rubber silicone rings because we went to a gym a lot. 
and mine broke over a year ago. I haven't I haven't worn a wedding ring in over a year. It's just not or just That's, not like that. I don't know. Yeah, there we're uh very traditionalists. We live in a very traditionalist society, that's for sure. Yeah. And it, it, it takes a lot to, to break away from some of that sometimes. Right. Might be a good idea, though, one day for some, for some uh, anniversary. Uh, I guess we'll get to one more question. I'm, I'm not going to hold you up for too long, especially because we had the technical delays to get started. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm open to that, so I can, I can, I, I okay, have, cool. my, my iPad still has 60% battery power, so we got, we over there for right. probably. <laughs> uh ray asked the question if the morality of the bible is fundamentally flawed should we study theology at all i mean you're asking an atheist <laughs> <laughs> so okay so first off i i can never get over the, my my own irony of being an atheist studying theology okay there is a purpose to it i think it goes over a lot of atheist heads Sometimes I even ask myself why. And so I get it. But again, my, my purpose is not to study theology because I believe there's a God, which it, that's what theology is, is the study of God. <clears throat> but I study it because I, I study it like as if I was studying like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or if or I'm studying like a Star Wars canon. Okay. I, I look at it from that perspective. And if you've never had an argument with a with, or heard an argument between two, two Star Wars character or fanatics about you know what was what's canon and what's not canon or who was good yeah. who was like it it gets fucking ridiculous really <laughs> quick okay um and it's very like that has helped me understand how to navigate the Bible a lot I I don't I can now look at it completely from a third person perspective um, I can I know what it's like to have live these things it's it's fascinating because i can i can flip a switch i can turn on christian will and i turn them off really really quick um, yeah. i know exactly what christian will would have thought just two years ago when he was kind of a more liberal christian and i know what he would have thought 10 years ago as fundamentalist right-wing you know extremist cult will and and i can tell you my atheist perspective on it when it comes to specifically with the morality, you know, is it fundamentally flawed? I mean, that's just kind of a loaded statement. I, I think it is um, for multiple reasons, but there's also some moral things in the Bible that I think is generally good. Um, I can't think of it here off the top of my head. That might be an interesting post to do, <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember there being some, like, I, I think like the Beatitudes is pretty, it's pretty good. It's not the best, you know, it's, it's flawed. But considering it was two thousand years ago, like it, it wasn't horrible. Like it's it was it was a pretty good stepping stone for uh for for humanity to to go forward. You know, hey, love people like you love yourself. Not bad. I think we should love people more than ourselves. That would be better. We should love yeah. people how they want to be loved, you know, not how we expect them to be loved. You know, so it's it's not perfect, but you know, it was, it was a good place to start. And and I don't mind giving uh, that amount of grace to the Bible, you know, this is what, what separates me from a lot of atheists because a lot of atheists would just say the whole, whole the whole entire Bible is bullshit. I'm like, well, that is bullshit because yeah. it's there's a lot of horrible things in the Bible, but just like how you can read Homer or the Iliad or you know any of these other ancient texts, like there is a lot to be learned. 
Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, it, is it true? Like, probably not. Is it factual? Probably not. But we can still look back 2,000 years ago and see what people believed and why. And if we can understand that, if an atheist is willing to actually learn those sort of things, if we can understand that and, and show you know, fundamentalist evangelical Christians like, hey, this is why they believe these things when you apply a historical context. We know this is this, this to be complete bullshit. Okay. And that's probably where the atheists come, are actually coming from. So if these things are all bullshit, then why do you still believe this? And if we can ask them those questions in a way that they can actually relate to, we might find ourselves, atheists, humanists, secular humanists, might be able to find ourselves uh, in much better standing with the church at large. And that will be better for humanism, you know, altogether. Again, it goes back to my, my statement before is like, I don't, we are out there. We're going to see the church, you know, be gone anytime soon, but we can help correct a few things if we're patient enough to do our due diligence and try to communicate with them correctly. It's kind of like trying to build a bridge instead of be so like anti-church, anti-everything and, and like try to like make this wall between believers and non-believers. Right. Exactly. I like what you said about um, like Christian will, like the different versions of yourself that you can sort of like pull out every now and then. And and I think that is so helpful to other people Mm -hmm. that you, that you have that ability to kind of think back to when, how you would have reacted back when you were a fundamentalist or when you were a more progressive Christian. And now that you're an atheist, like you have all these different perspectives that you can offer and it's super helpful. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And, and, it's also kind of frustrating too because there's a lot of atheist memes out there that just irritate the piss out of me. Oh my god, me too. I made a video like, about, about Yeah. And like, well, I mean that sounds good, but unless the, the Christian you're talking to is a complete idiot, like that's not a good argument. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's just a lot of atheist stuff. I'm just like, okay, that was eh, that's that's fun, that was humorous, but it's it's kinda of weak. It's very abrasive and not really a lot of it's very abrasive and not really doing anything worthwhile or positive you know right just like you're stupid or like especially <laughs> when you use the term religitard and stuff like i hate that I hate so much that. i hate that definitely it I, really I, drives I, me insane i call it nona too like there was one that i saw today that kind of irritated me like i think it was uh, richie garvis i think that's his name uh ricky garvis and um you know god is either can either do something about it uh or he doesn't do anything about it because he's not there or he doesn't care i i can it, it was something like that Oh yeah, and, and, Twitter, and, like the tweet that he made or whatever the yeah or this and that right and and so it, it puts it puts it in three different uh, options and three options only. I'm like, well, that's that's not the only three options. And and Christian will would, would have said like, well, those three could be true, or he has something better for us in the future. And there's just things we don't understand. Now again, yeah. I do think that's a bullshit statement, and I have various reasons for that. But as long as we keep on, it's, it's just like Christians using this C.S. Lewis's Lord, Liar, Lunatic thing. Okay. That's yeah. an okay argument, but it's not a good argument. Like it's, 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 it's fallacious. Just like this atheist perspective, like it's not, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting, but it's not the end all argument. And I really wish atheists would apply that type of critical thinking to their own mm-hmm. post. Um, now, of course, my, my 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 counter to my counter would be like, well, yeah, it's convenient that God always has something better in the future. But if you actually look at the Bible, 
you know, when when he when we're talking about Israel, you know, being going into exile for seventy years, and he, God has something better for you. Well, it turns out he didn't. the The temple was actually a lot worse. Yeah. Okay, and it didn't get anything any better for Israel. You know, they became they literally became the Jews because they had one land, Judah. And they went from twelve to one, and then they would be occupied by more people over and over again. First the Persians, and then the Greeks, and then the Romans, and then Jerusalem was destroyed. So, not that anyone actually cared about to hear that, but it's just like one quick example of like we always care to hear about it. Will <laughs> we want to hear about it? Sorry, but it's it's just annoying. And I, I think we need to. I don't know, just a little more uh, creative, critical thinking and it's all about, less memes. Yes, critical thinking. Com- and I'm guilty of making memes too, but like critical thinking, conversations, instead of finger pointing and like, you think this, you believe this way and that's why you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really do much. All right. And I like that you bring up uh, Ricky Gervais because Gervais, it's like serious, people that's one big difference between atheist, secular humanist, whatever. And religion is like, we don't have leaders, mm-hmm. you know, we can call out Dawkins, anybody can call them out on their bullshit. And it's not like, it's not like, so like a higher hierarchical, how Christianity is like the, the pastors and all that stuff. Like it's a lot easier just to be like, they're not necessarily right. You know, the, atheists have their own perspectives on things, but it's not like there are these, necessarily authorities or leaders in in atheism because right. it's not a religion right and don't get me wrong i love uh you know, ricky gervais okay sorry thank you for, for for saying that but you know he says a lot of really great stuff and you know and it was that type of question yeah, that got happy. that originally got me thinking you know so we we, we do need those things but i it just it, it can be it, it can be a little frustrating when when atheists think well that's that's the end of the conversation you should watch if you haven't um, on YouTube the conversation between Ricky Gervais and Russell Brand. It's really good because oh, yeah. Russell Brand is he thinks that there is something higher. You know he thinks that he believes in God to some degree, but it's a, a really cool conversation that they have. Okay. And also, I don't know. Have you ever seen um, the invention of lying, the Ricky no. Gervais movie? I don't think so. It's, it's really cool because he's the only he's nobody can lie in this movie and he's the first person I'm not going to spoil it, but that's in the title of the movie. So he's the first person that can actually lie. And he like somebody's dying and he tells them that there's, they're going to go to heaven because they're like scared of death. And, and he's like, well, don't worry, you know, there's an afterlife and it's going to be happy. And that's like the first lie told. And then it starts this whole like religion and people are asking him the questions about the afterlife and stuff. It's a really good movie. I think you should, you probably invent, out invent, of it. invention of lying invention of lying it used to be on netflix i don't know if it is anymore but i'll have to check it out it, it's a good one for sure um so your instagram account what do you got eight million nine million followers now oh come on uh, it's growing like crazy I, I love it man i love your stuff um do you have any particular plans for, like for the future of what you want to do as far as instagram or beyond yeah, or anything like i definitely that? i definitely want to stay on instagram um i just i like it um i don't want to get into youtube i don't want to get into monetization um i've had a lot of people ask me about merchandise and, and stuff like that it's just not my not my thing uh 
I know you have an awesome Patreon, and I did actually check that out uh, last week. So go check his out, his Patreon. So I checked it out for myself Thanks, as man. well. I liked I liked how they have merchandise that they basically create for you, and they handle all the shipping and stuff. So that sounds pretty cool. But for for me personally, man, like I'm already like I need to back off a little bit, okay? And I've had I've had about at least half a dozen people already say like, "Hey, I want to send you money." Like I want to buy a cup of coffee. I'm like, I, I literally do this for free. I appreciate it. It's not 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 in the works right now. No donate to Habitat for Humanity or something like that. Yeah. But um but for me doing a Patreon and, and, and doing more for people who are already subscribing, that just seems like more more work for me personally. And True. I, I, I like I like going at my own pace. But um it's good to have those followers and the supporters. Um I would like to grow my Instagram more, maybe. Um Having ten thousand followers was kind of cool, mostly just because I put links in my stories. Ah, I'm trying to get there, man. I know it's a crawl, it's a crawl for me. Um, I want to do more uh, Instagram uh, live chats with people. Yeah, um, there's there's about three Christians I want to have on. One of them being my my friend Caleb, um, and I, I talk about another really cool gal who I got to meet up with uh, this weekend. It's a friend of my wife and I's. Um, I've actually only met her twice in person, but we we've we've talked a lot. And she's a runner and, and an actress and very much a humanist. And, but, you know, I want to have these conversations so that the hardcore right-wing evangelical Christians can see that, hey, I understand you probably think that this person is not actually a Christian. But yeah. I'm letting you know that they love people and they call themselves a Christian. And here is why. Okay. It's, your, your worldview can grow. You don't – it's not just either Christian – or atheists, like there, there is a right. lot of gray area to Absolutely. work with within theology. And if you truly believe your God is as big as what you say he is, then chances are there's a couple of things that you're missing out on that you may have overlooked or human uh, uh, humanity has flawed a little bit through the 2000 years of the making of the religion. Yeah, you made a good point there um, because I've, I experienced, and I know you do too, um, Christians telling us that we were never Christians and stuff like that. But beyond that, it, it goes beyond just Christians and atheists, but Christians to other Christians telling them that they're not really Christians. It's crazy. Like who gets, who gets to decide who is actually a Christian and who is not a Christian. If you, and that's, that's, that's exactly as a very uh, authoritarian supremacy sort of thing. And whew, not, 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 and I'm guilty of it. I, I, I did all the time. I would have told myself I was never a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2006 will to 2010 will or whatever whatever timeline you have there hey you're not really a christian and i I understand the theology behind it it's just that is it possible that theology was wrong yeah that's the whole thing that's the whole you have the people who are taking the bible completely literally and they interpret it their way king james version's the only one and all that stuff Mm -hmm. or whatever and they say well it clearly says right here that you're not interpreting it the right way and it creates this huge gray area i mean i know you're not on tiktok but over on tiktok there are christians who are calling out other christians all the time like there's a very progressive like lgbt christian ministers and stuff over there and the fundamentalists and them get into it a lot and it's i I see a lot of that on social media period not just tiktok but everywhere where they're calling each other out and saying well it's because you're not believing the right way and that's just weird I'd probably be like, well, you're both are probably right. It does say that. And it does say that. 
<laughs> True. So you all can re- reconcile that however you want. It's always frustrating when people say, well, the Bible is clear about this. And every, every time I've heard a Christian say that on my Instagram page, it was like the most muddled Bible verse ever. <laughs> but like, yeah. just, you just think, really think about it's It's not clear. Like when you have a text re- written in, in, the, in the fucking first century in Greek, talking about some dude who spoke Aramaic was translated over hundreds of years. Like, it's not clear at all. <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. Sorry. I know. Uh, I'm more, I know you're a, a Bart Ehrman fan, and I'm still reading, misquoting Jesus. I have this thing where I start like three books at once, and I never really finish any of them. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I like what I'm reading in that book. And do you have? I know you have book recommendations in your on your Instagram, but do you have any like key books that are good for people who are either just you know yes. really starting to question things or? Um. So so yeah. Um. I would have people start with. Misquoting Jesus by Ehrman uh, or uh, Jesus Inter- Interrupted. I read them both relatively close at the same time. I'm gonna not. I'm not gonna lie here. I honestly can't remember the huge difference between the two. <laughs> I was gonna say you forget which is what stuff is in what book. Right. Misquoting Jesus was more popular, so I think we're gonna go with that one. <clears throat> but yeah. uh, one Ehrman er- is a fantastic author. But one thing that you'll notice real quick is if you've read two or three of his books, you've read 50% of any other book he's written. Because just, just by his nature, there's, there's a lot of overlap that, that he works with. Yeah. Um, so those are both excellent. Um, if you're, he did a very interesting one about memory. It was called uh, Jesus Before the Gospels. And it just talks about, it's, it's kind of a good perspective counter to uh, the case for Christ, um, because he you know he likes to say that all oh, these are right when his testimonies, which they're not. <laughs> That's first off. But it, it Have you he read also the shows case how. Christ, by the way, no, no, I also have it. I've. I'm afraid, I've, to, I've I'm got, afraid to read it because I might get I've saved. Gotten, I've gotten yeah right. I've gotten the 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 notes from it, and I've heard him speak. I, I've I, generally I'll listen to someone give a lecture. Before I read the book to see if it's even worth my worth my time, and I, right, I heard, yeah, heard I hear the premise. If I hear a premise of a book and if it's wrong, I'm not going to listen to it. Now, like Case for Christ, his whole his whole premise is that these are trustworthy eyewitness accounts, and they're not. Okay, Luke was not an eyewitness. Mark was not an eyewitness. Assuming that they actually wrote these gospels, yeah, they didn't. A lot okay? of assumptions. Right, Matthew didn't write Matthew. Okay, fantastic. If he was an eyewitness account, he wouldn't have had copied Mark for you know almost half of, of what he wrote. He would have given his own personal account. John, right. which probably has the most, arguably was has the strongest case for it to be actually written by John, but again, it wasn't. But even it was written 90 AD, in which John, if he was you know 30 years old when he met Jesus, would have been 90 years old. He would have been dead. And anything, his memory would have been completely shot. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I'm I'm 35. I can't remember crap that happened 20 years ago. I can't remember half of what happened to me, half of what happened to me in Iraq. I can't remember names. I can't remember super important details. And that was one of the most important years of my life. So no, these are not reliable eyewitness testimonies. You would think um, more of this stuff would be documented during the life of Christ if all this cra- if all this stuff is going on, you know, if all these miracles are really happening, it would be a little, po- more, yeah. a little more documented. Yeah. 
possibly the so yeah exactly um so yes case for christ is not not even worth my time um i'd much rather listen to actual bible scholars uh, about the issue um i would highly recommend people listen to um bart ehrman's debate with uh daniel wallace if you are a currently a christian and you think everything i said is complete bullshit um especially if you believe that the bible is errant and flawless um, I'm going to tell you right now, Danny Wallace is a Christian. He does believe, uh, you know, and Jesus was, was God and all that good stuff. He's also a textual critic. And he has a lecture on YouTube. Uh, so I think was, I think it's called like, was the New Testament corrupted or some or something like that. If you just Google Danny Wallace, it should be one of the first things to pop up. And it's like a two hour long lecture. And he gives a super long intro, and he straight up says, you know, is the Bible the mind of God? Absolutely not. And I was still a Christian when I heard that because I heard Ehrman talking on Sam Harris's podcast. I'm like, this guy is full of shit. He can't be right. I need to go find me a Christian textual critic to tell me the truth because that's what Christians do, right? They want to find people who they agree with. Yeah, right. And I, And my heart just sank when I heard that. Because <laughs> he was like basically one of the most qualified Christian textual critics out there. Yeah. And then when I heard him debate Ehrman, he's debated Ehrman twice. Then that was that was it. That was I'm like, okay, and biblical inerrancy is not no longer a thing. And then you head down the dark road to yeah. atheism. That's why I, <laughs> I head down the dark road. I listened to uh, the end of faith by Sam Harris. That was very interesting. Um, no, if you want to get book. a um, thousand books I have that I've never read yet. That was a, that's a good one. Um, I really enjoy. So there's another uh, a female. Uh, I think I don't think she's calls herself a textual critic. I think she's just a historian. She is. Uh, she has a, a couple books out, but one's called Revelations. It's not about the book of Revelation. She's actually talking about actual revelations that were happening, you know, in the early church and what they were and what they meant. And it was absolutely fascinating because it talks about how the book of Revelation actually affected history in the early church. So if you're really into like end times and stuff like that and want to get a, histor- a historical perspective, highly recommend that her book. Her, her, name Sounds is interesting. E- her name is Elaine Peggles, and it's a very short book. It's quite excellent. Um, I'm listening to a book by a professor of Yale. So uh, I, I, I'm always talking about this guy. He is, his name is Dale B. Martin. He has an entire, uh, so Yale has online open courses and they have an Old Testament course and a New Testament course. It's not a credit or anything, but it's the actual courses that they recorded in the middle of these classrooms. And so you get like 20 plus 45 minute lectures uh, by these two professors, the Old Testament professors, uh, Christine Hayes. Super fascinating. She pretty much was the one that taught me that, yeah, the Old Testament I just don't even need, even need to listen to that anymore when it comes to the Word of God. And then uh, Dale Martin, he's awesome. I actually emailed him a couple times back and forth, and he That's has cool. a book. Yeah, so he, he does the New Testament course. Everybody, if you have even five minutes of a vested interest in the Bible, everybody should watch this course, especially if you're a Christian. It will. It's very eye-opening. It doesn't cost uh, anything. He, no, it's all free. Uh, so it's all free. It's on Yale Open Courses. They're also available on YouTube as playlists. I'll highly that recommend link in the descriptions. For highly recommend it. It is, yeah. it is invaluable. Um, 
but Dale is a uh, professor Martin. He is a gay Christian and he's hilarious. There was, he says he was talking about to his class about some sort of marriage issue and the, the new Testament. I can't remember the context. And he's asking his, his, his class a question. And, and of course it's a theology class. And so he got dead silence. He's like, hello, I'm gay. I don't have to worry about this. So I need your guys' opinions. <laughs> this is a yoke this is a yoke course like this is awesome he's so he's so funny i love his i love his his teaching but he's got a book called biblical truths i'm not sure how good it is yet but i've been wanting to get for a year i finally got for christmas biblical truths and it is he it's very heavy very theology heavy so if you're like me and you're a theology bible nut and you're trying to not deconstruct but also you're deconstructing because you can't help it and you really want to try to maintain some sort of form of Christianity. That's what he does. He, he reconciles. I'm not sure I'm going to agree with him. He's already said a couple of things I do disagree with, um, but I get it. He reconciles the historical issues with the Bible and how something can still be theologically relevant from the Bible. Uh, so it sounds super interesting. Um, It'll be good for me to get his perspective so I can help understand Christians who are more progressive. I can help understand their theology a little bit better um, and not just be so biased atheist all the time. That's awesome. That makes for a better world when we try, actively try to understand other people's mm-hmm. perspectives. Right. I think that's I was sad. I was very excited though because he said a quote in that book. And the introduction itself is like 40 pages. So it was a super long introduction. <laughs> But um, he because what my my quote is theology without history is fantasy, and what I mean by that is, if your theology is not built on historically sound issues or true events, then it might as well just be a, a fantasy book. Okay, you literally might as well just be worshiping Spider Man, and that's where I stand on things. And there are some things that are historically relevant that I think Christians can hang their hat up on. There's not a lot, but there is some. Okay, um, but most of the things that evangelicals believe nowadays is just complete erroneous bullshit, or just incredibly misunderstood history, and there yeah. it's doing a lot of harm at, at the worst, and it's just making everyone a little bit dumber <laughs> at the best, <laughs> you know, for sure. But he 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 said that quote, or something. He basically said the exact same quote in his book. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. All right, I'm on the right page. So this should be interesting. That is cool. Yeah. I think I found a title title for this episode. It's going to be your quote there, probably. Oh, fantastic. I'll take it. <laughs> so, guys, make sure you follow Will on Instagram. Thank you. At radical underscore theology. Uh, anything else you want to plug or anything before we sign off? Yeah, after you get done uh, liking my Instagram page, make sure you go and share something from uh, Jesus Unfollowers page in your stories and, and tag them in a Thanks, post man. and tell them how awesome he is. Yeah. Make sure you're hanging out with us on Instagram. My DMs are always open. Uh, and I know Will's are, are super full. So uh, be selective. But uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out, man. I really appreciate it. Um, and I'll see you on the gram. Yeah, man. This was, this was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thanks, dude. See you. Bye. Ya.